Amen. Amen. We are going to continue our study here, Equipped for the Journey, uh, A Mouth of New Fire, Part 2. And uh, this, I, as I was receiving, because uh, that's what happens, is um, sometimes you just start receiving. And that's what I was doing the past few days is just receiving. And it's, it's overwhelming. It's just like a flood, but the floodgate. And so I, I'm probably not going to say everything uh, that I want to say tonight, but uh, I, I want to start by, uh, by talking about the, the power of our words. You know, we have been focusing on our mouth and the power of our words and how it is God's will to utilize it to advance his kingdom. Our words have the power to advance his kingdom or hell's kingdom. James writes that the tongue is unruly and it is a fire and it's set on fire of hell. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 27. I want to read this to you in the New King James. An ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. He has given us a voice and an opportunity. Are you, is your spirit satisfied spending three hours a week focusing on his kingdom? Jesus interrupted people's mundane life and said, he would show them what would satisfy. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What he didn't say was, follow me and I'll show you where you can wait for me till I come back. I have picked you to continue my work. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And you will see what truly satisfies. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. I will continue his work. His will, if I love him and have a relationship with him, and no schedule can influence that. We are busy people, so we must look for ways to be intentional with the time that we do have. We can't view it separately from our everyday schedule because if we try to separate work and personal evangelism, we will never advance his kingdom. We have opportunities all around us. If there's somebody in your everyday life that you know is lost, pray for a way to connect them with God. That God would use you to speak into their life. If we wait until after we work all day, we will be too tired to do anything for the kingdom. Well, I will just, I'll concentrate on my eight hour shift. And then after I get done, I'll, I'll go and knock doors or something. Or I'll go do, no, God has positioned us. Around lost and dying people. And he has given you what you need to help them. 
we work and we're tired and we repeat this cycle most, most of every week. We rush into the church, we engage in worship and, uh, and the word briefly, and then we are right back into the grind. When Jesus called us, it wasn't so he could give the leftovers. When he called the disciples, they left their careers and followed Jesus. Our world seems to be the opposite. We give our careers most of our time, and Jesus gets the leftovers. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about our daily devotions. I'm talking about what comes out of daily devotions. It's in my daily devotions that I, I see the urgency of doing something to advance his kingdom. I see the testimonies of, of men that suffered, that men that, that, uh, that walked a, a dangerous path to advance the kingdom of God. So I see this urgency to do something to advance his kingdom. When he called the twelve, it wasn't just for them. It was a calling that reached through generations and it is still reaching today. That calling is still going forth. Matthew 28 and 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The great commission is to take all the power and the authority that Jesus has and go and make disciples. Our responsibility is to teach whoever we go and find. The apostles were disciples first. Disciples learn. And apostles deliver what they have learned. Before we can go, we must understand why we are going. Jesus told the disciples what would happen after they were filled with the Holy Ghost, that they would be empowered to be his witness to the ends of the earth. They would have the power to advance the kingdom of God. And in 2021, we are still marching towards the end of the earth with the same spirit who empowers us to be a witness, pointing the lost to a kingdom not of this earth. If we believe that Acts 2.38 is relevant today, we must also believe that the power that enters us from our obedience to it positions us as a disciple of Jesus. Where he begins to teach us. And as we grow in him, he equips our mouth with words of power and authority. We don't step into this thing with the words of power and authority. We've got to sit, listen, and learn. And when God teaches us something, we receive it. And then when he sends us, we have everything that we need to operate in his power and his authority. But there is a warning that we must all hear found in Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And this is the warning. This is where we're, we're headed tonight. The warning here is, but I say unto you that every idle word, and the word idle here means inactive, lazy, useless, barren, every barren word, every lazy word, every useless word, every inactive word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. 
Listen to this right here. This is very, uh, this is a very uh, tough scripture here. For by the, thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. By my words, I will be justified or condemned. It matters what we do with our words. And I know that this was addressed to the Pharisees, but can we can we fall into a Pharisaical mindset? Is it possible for the church in 2021 to look more like Pharisees than disciples and apostles? Are we speaking idle words, worthless, meaningless words, or, or words that are fitly spoken? Proverbs 25 and 11, the word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A fitly spoken word has the power to pull someone out of a mess, to pull someone out of darkness and, and point them, point them to the answer. These words are invaluable, more precious than gold, and they are available in the saint that has been commissioned to go and make disciples. You and I have nothing to be afraid of. When God places us in the midst of wicked men, he has given us a word that is fitly spoken that will pull men out of the, the clutches of hell. Why are we learning to, uh, how to follow the leading of his spirit? So we can continue his mission of saving people. We have the power and authority inside of us to advance his kingdom and become an effective witness. Before we can become this witness and be used by Jesus to do even greater works, we have to learn. We have to learn. Jesus doesn't send us into the field without knowing what to do when we get there. He doesn't expect us to just go and wander around. But when we have an understanding of what we're supposed to do, we go in the field with apostolic directives. An apprentice starts by observing, and as the apprentice learns and grows, more responsibility is given. Why do we follow Jesus? Because he is our example, and he is our instructor. And with his help, we learn how to do the right thing, and resist the temptations to do the wrong, or, or say the wrong things. If we ran it past Jesus, we wouldn't put our foot in our mouth, would we? In my study, and I began to see that our words can fall into two categories, wicked and righteous, fools and wise. We see the word fool mentioned throughout the Old Testament and it is paired with wickedness. Psalm 14 and 1 tells us, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done, done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Fools are wicked because they have claimed that there is no God. A godless individual or system or culture justifies their wicked behavior by claiming that there is no God. And if there is no God, then there is no moral uh, standard. There is no moral gauge. What fools don't understand is their foolish behavior tells everyone they are fools. I know that's deep, right? Ecclesiastes 10 and 3, yea, also... When he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth, and he saith to everyone that he is a fool. Fools 
are wicked because they think their way is better than God's. I will will do what I want to do. And by doing this, there is no self-control. When a man thinks that he is right in his own eyes, he will do what his foolish heart prompts him to do, revealing his folly. He won't see it because he thinks he is right. So it makes sense to him, but to others, he is a fool. Proverbs 18 and 2, a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. A foolish man wants to prove how clever he is and expose his heart, not realizing that the the folly that follows, uh, it flows from his heart. A fool uncovers his wickedness without even knowing it. Proverbs 29 and 11, a fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 8, a fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calleth for strokes, or his mouth calleth for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they, they go down into the innermost parts of the bear, of the belly. Talebearers and gossipers, when they speak, the fire of hell comes out and penetrates like arrows that cause wounds that lodge in the depths of a person being talked about. Well, they're just words. You know, one of the worst things that we have repeated and heard in our life is sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. How many people have been affected for years because of words that were spoken either about you or to you? And with that being said, how many words have you spoken that have lodged arrows in someone's spirit? That has caused open wounds to fester. That has brought about uh, that has brought about bitterness concerning the things of God. To the fool, they are only words, but to the one who refers to and they hear it, 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 it the damage is almost unrepairable. A fool will utter idle words that are worthless and and they become a snare of his soul and those who will give ear to his words. Proverbs 19 and 3. I'll tell you what, Proverbs is full of these. If you need to know what not to do to be foolish, read Proverbs. The foolishness of man perverteth his way in his heart Threadeth against the Lord. Now, let me just kind of give you what, how it hit me today. A fool who brings his life to ruin will turn and blame the Lord. Well, I can't believe this thing happened to me. Thanks, God. It's your fault. A fool's words. Blame God because a fool thinks they're right. A fool is full of himself. That's a play on words there. What he doesn't understand is that it's his choices that bring ruin. But fools will blame everyone else. It's everyone else's fault while I'm not successful. It's everyone else's fault while I'm not serving God. No, you've got to make better decisions. You've got to make the right decisions. And you will see the favor of God. Don't blame somebody else. Fools say, I must be cursed. While they resist and reject Godly counsel. A fool despises wisdom and counsel. A fool rejects instruction. And a person who refuses instruction despises his soul. 
it's easy for us to be foolish and to make light of things, but when Jesus steps in to correct and instruct, it would be wise for us to receive and do. Because there are too many Christians today who are fools. And they are revealing it to all those around them. If I become a fool by allowing myself to reject godly counsel and resist the Holy Ghost, I become like those Stephen was preaching to when he called them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. It doesn't matter if, if we come to church every Sunday. If I have the mouth of a fool, I will dig up the good seeds that have been planted. A self-professed Christian who is really a fool adds poison to the seed that has been sown. A fool will go and try to undo everything that Jesus has done. When Jesus is trying to restore, a fool will try to destroy when Jesus is trying to forgive someone, a fool will hold someone hostage with unforgiveness. The disciples had to learn some lessons before they could be used. They had to follow Jesus around. And learn. And there are some tough lessons, and I know that you've seen it in your reading. As students, we learn, and the wise will learn to walk in the fear of the Lord, but fools will reject it. He called the twelve, and every time he calls, it's the same. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will reveal your purpose. And will use you to accomplish my will. Follow me and I will do these things in your life. I will teach you. I will teach you how to reach humanity. We find ourselves at a loss of words from time to time. We want to make a difference in our world. But we struggle with it because we, we don't think our efforts will work. We don't think our words are good enough. When Jesus calls, he invests before he sins. And he teaches before he sins. The disciples failed in so many areas as students and even as apostles, but with the right correction and instruction, the disciples learned how to handle failure and grow from it. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 35, and we're going to read this to you in the English Standard Version. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Jesus was saying, I heard something, and I want you to tell me. Tell me what it is that you were talking about. Listen, notice their response. But they kept silent. For all the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. I think their silence spoke for itself. I'm sure they recognized their foolish behavior when Jesus asked the question. What were you all discussing? Jesus, it wasn't anything really important. And he sat down and called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Everyone in 
this place, and even those listening online will have some tough lessons to learn. These lessons are to bring knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. If we want to be used by God, we have to learn the power of wisdom and the danger of foolishness. It takes wisdom to win souls. We have to use wisdom when we approach humanity. We've got to do it in a way that is almost unnoticed to them. We don't want them to catch on to what we're doing. We're building a relationship to win them to the Lord. And we don't start out that way. We've got to be wise in it because, uh, because people are, they're on guard right now. They're religious people have, have caused us, uh, to, to, uh, religious people have affected our witness by just telling people about Jesus straight away. Now we have to, now we have to get in a, a little deeper before we can start Telling them. We have to we have to be wise and wait and be patient and, and look for the right opportunity to, to, to release a word fitly spoken. How foolish it is to complete uh, or to compete with each other, trying to somehow prove that I am better than you, or I am more favored by Jesus, or I am called of God, I am his anointed. A proud spirit causes contention. Proverbs 13 and 10, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs 18 and 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. Proverbs 26 and 20. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out, so where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. Jesus understands that it is real easy for people to add fuel to the fire when they are caught up in a dispute. Jesus has a way of Equalizing the situations that lead to contention. It's foolishness, and as Jesus works in our life, he helps us stop adding wood to the fire. Jesus corrected this foolishness by saying that the one who thinks that he must be the, uh, the first is, has to be the last of all and servant of all. I am no better than you. And you are no better than me. Competition within the church shows immaturity. And it leads to contention, which stems from pride. And God hates pride. It's not about my part being better than your part. It's not about my words being better than your words or your words being better than my words. He called us and filled us with his spirit and that is how it's going to get accomplished. Not by being the most gifted or the most talented. It doesn't matter if you have one gift or five. If you're using them to advance the kingdom, it's about the kingdom and not your talent. No one gets bragging rights. But fools will take the stage and begin to brag about themselves. Oh, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've, I've accomplished this feat or that feat, or God used me to do this. You're a fool. Because we are all in the same place, on the same path, in the same pursuit, and the cross stands in the way and removes all bragging rights. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 11 and verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. If I'm going to boast, let me boast about how I'm not good enough. And how I'm not strong enough, but I serve a God. I serve a God who is strong. And, and I, as long as I stay within the, the borders of my relationship with Him, and as long as I stay close and, and I learn from Him, and, I, and I, I listen for His voice, and I respond with obedience, I know that, that I will accomplish what, what He uh, sends me to accomplish, and it will be because of Him and not me. I will boast in my weakness. Galatians 6 and 3, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Galatians 6 and 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm closing. It's impossible to be a fool. While denying yourself. Carrying your cross and following Jesus. You want to make sure. That you don't act like a fool. Start off by denying yourself because fools won't. A fool will just talk about himself. But a wise man will deny himself. And he'll take up the cross. He'll take up the equalizer. He'll take up, he'll take up uh, uh, his commitment to be selfless and follow Jesus. The disciples had to learn so many important instructions and lessons, or lessons and then, and then instructions that follow. Do you remember what happened with the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000, when, when, when the disciples were like, send them away to get food what Jesus said you feed them I'm going to give you an assignment well God I don't even think it's possible we don't have enough of anything we don't have the money. We don't have. We don't have the the the, the time to go get it. And to, you know, quit thinking. Quit thinking about you. And think about me. I am the one that can make it possible. And when I think about this, I th I think about how how we respond to the to the commission to go. It's like, well, God, I don't I don't have. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to give. You're focused on the wrong thing. I've given you everything that you need to do it. And once again, Jesus had to, he had to rebuke his disciples. And it came to pass, in Luke 9, and it came to pass when the time was come that they should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will doubt that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? 
Jesus said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. How often does God have to correct our way of thinking, especially when dealing with humanity and our, and, and our foolish nature wants to say, God, do you want us to just write them off? No, I'm trying to save them. I'm trying to deliver them. And you can't stand in the way. Don't stand in the way of what my desire is to do. And that is to save them. If you can't do it, get out of the way and they'll send somebody else that has a word fitly spoken in their mouth that will deliver them out of the jaws of hell. Just don't add poison to the seed that I'm sowing. Don't try to uh, destroy the seed. Let's all stand. We step into the new covenant. What's supposed to happen is that the mouth of old fire is supposed to go out, and the mouth of new fire is what we are supposed to operate in. The fire of the Holy Ghost. And the power and the authority of, of, of the investment that Jesus has made in our life. That ought to be our words. And if we can recognize foolish behavior and foolish conversation and foolishness and say, God, I don't want to be a fool. that you, you give me to just make small talk and to act like I don't care. I'm riding with a, a new person at work, a young man, 26 years old. Starts playing music that, that I used to listen to. And my my immediate response inside my head was foolish. We want to just lash out and say, no, nope, not gonna take it, not gonna have it, not gonna do it. You get that off, you get that out of here. I don't want to listen to it. I'm stuck in this situation. But what I'm seeing is who I used to be. And it's an opportunity to wait. And so I'm riding in the passenger seat. And, and in my mind, I'm like, God, what can I say? What can I do? I'm just going to wait for the right opportunity. God, will you... Will you allow him to ask me something? That I can just get into a conversation about you? This is my thought process. There's somebody next to me that's lost. And, and instead of being foolish and writing them off because of who they are, I see the opportunity to, to deliver a word that's fitly spoken. Maybe the long, the long stares that I see in his face and, and, and his, his, his monotone voice. And, and, you know, I'm like, there is something missing in his life. There needs to be something in his life that he doesn't have right now. And, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I've got the answer. I've got the, I know what the answer is. Oh, God, but don't let me become a fool and, and speak things that, that, uh, that, will, that will ruin it. Let me be wise, God. Let me be wise.
wise and wait for the right opportunity to speak. I, I want you to speak, Lord. Speak through me. And I bet I, I, I guarantee that every single one of you here tonight, you got somebody that you see all the time. I, I want you to remember this, what I'm saying, is you might be around them and they might do something that, that causes your skin to crawl or, or you know, you just anger inside by, I want you to pray for an opportunity to deliver a word fitly spoken to them that will change their course. But you're going to have to swallow your pride. The disciples wanted wanted fire to fall and, and, and consume the Samaritans, but Jesus was saying, I'm just trying to save them. The people that disgust us, Jesus is trying to save. And guess who he is trying to use to do it? God to help us understand the power of our words and the dangers of foolishness and foolish words and idle words, worthless words. God, let us let us look and pray for opportunities, God, to, to touch the world with you, to, to, to introduce them to the answer. I want to introduce the lost to the answer. I want him to use me to do it. Can we ask the Lord to help us for a few moments here? This Saturday, 11 o'clock, if you can make it, please. Um, all we're going to do is try to go and make a difference in someone's life. And look for ways to do it. It's not going to be anything uh, strategic other than Get out there and let's see what God will do. We'll look for ways. We'll look for ways. I think half the battle is just actually doing it. It's just setting out to do it. Well, I don't know where to look, God. I don't know what to do. Well, we're going to go into the city. And we're going to park. And we're going to walk. And while we 
to pray. And while we're praying and walking, we're going to look. We're going to look around. And we're going to go walk down streets. And we're going to look. We're going to look for somebody. And, uh, and, and ask God to help us. God, how can I reach this person? It's all about learning how to how to respond to the to the people around you, and not not being afraid of them, not being afraid of what they'll say, you know, what they'll do if you approach them. God, if you if you give me the word to speak to them, would you help me reach for this lost soul? Amen. I want to be able to do that to reach. And uh, you know, if it opens up a Bible study, that's what I want. I want to. I want to do Bible studies. Is it, do you want to do? Does anybody in here want to do home Bible studies? Do you want to teach someone about the, uh, uh, you know, in a Bible study about the God you, you serve and the hope that you have in Him? Well, we got to go look for them. And when we get them, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Amen. This is how the church is going to grow. Is when we all understand that we are our pu- we're all pupils. And we're learning how to, how to uh, uh, advance the kingdom of God. We're all called to do that. Do you, do you recognize that? Do you realize that we're, we're called to do it? We're called to be a witness, and we're called to lead people to Jesus. You think about the Samaritan woman that went and got who knows how many people because she met Jesus. And she went and told the whole city, brought the whole city to him. That's, we, that's what we need. We need to just, I'm just going to take him to Jesus. I'm going to take him to Jesus. 11 o'clock. Uh, be in prayer, if you will, about, about this weekend and that, that God will give us opportunities on Saturday to touch people, to reach people. Amen. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if somebody received the Holy Ghost on the streets of Winchester? Do you think it's possible? Absolutely. I absolutely believe it. And I believe that it could happen. It could happen Sunday. I mean, Saturday. It could happen. And so we're just going to expect God to do great things, and uh, and uh, let's let's continue to pray for Sunday service and then for this Saturday. Amen. I love and appreciate you. Thank you for uh, for listening to me. Uh, uh, God bless you, and uh, keep fighting the good fight of faith. You are dismissed.